Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of each week that we read back some messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind mail bag, mailbox. I, I realized I, I say both. Uh, if you have never gotten in touch with us before and you would like to, why not give it a try? You can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Any kind of correspondence is fair game. Uh, you can email us feedback on recent episodes. If you have something interesting you'd like to add to something we talked about, if you have questions, corrections, suggestions for future topics, send it all in contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, let's see, Rob, do you mind if I kick things off here with this message from Brett about the horse hoof? Let's do it. Brett says, hello, gentlemen. It's been a minute since I've written in, but I wanted to make a quick comment on horse hooves. I've always wondered the same thing you both described, which is why the horse has single wide hooves, which seem to be different from other large hooves of animals. I wondered if this allows them to be steady in damp soil and would allow them to still have power to move themselves out of trouble. I think of it similarly to the Eiffel Tower. The wide hooves can spread out the weight of the animal as its powerful legs can propel them quickly if the horse so desires, whether on dry or wet ground. Just a thought. Hope your summer is off to a wonderful start. Brett. Uh, well, Brett, that's an interesting idea, but actually... The more I thought about it, I, I was kind of thinking uh, in the opposite direction because it this reminded me of some stuff I covered, I think, a while back in a listener mail episode that I did solo where um, 
a listener got in touch about seeing his dogs running on top of uh, snow. And I ended up talking about some, some stuff I was reading about wolf paws being adapted for running on snow, specifically because they can spread the toes out wide and distribute the body weight across a larger surface area with that kind of, you know, big, wide, webbed foot. Uh, which in some cases allows them to run more quickly in snowy conditions because they can run up on top of the frozen crust at the top of the snow layer, whereas the prey animal, like a the hoofed point of a deer leg, will punch through the crust and then the deer will get bogged down wading through the snow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I would tend to think that having a a larger, wider foot with multiple toes would give you more stability on uh, wet or soft or unstable ground, whereas having a a smaller footprint would allow you to uh, I don't know I guess have maybe uh, less friction and less less uh, drag if you're trying to move quickly. Interesting. By the way, Joe, on the uh, question of box or bag, uh, I have looked inside Carney, our mailbot, and it does appear to be more of a horseshoe-shaped uh, cylinder. <laughs> I guess it has to curve around some uh, important wiring and so forth. Uh, yes, okay, I understand. All right, this next bit of listener mail comes to us from Taylor, and this concerns uh, the beaver. Uh, this is another animal-based series that we did. Taylor says, hello, Rob and Joe. I loved your recent two-parter on beavers. Wonderful work as always. For the past few years, I have worked with the Forest Service to manage a visitor center at Silver Lake in Utah's Wasatch Mountains. Silver Lake is a beaver-engineered body of water, so I've had the pleasure to introduce countless tourists to our resident rodents of unusual size and thought I'd share a few insights from my experience. Few people realize that beavers live in their lodges instead of their dams. Even fewer know that several uh, commensal species cohabit with beavers in their lodges. Muskrats, another large semi-aquatic rodent, have been known to cohabit with beavers. This relationship may even represent a form of mutualism, as some authors have argued that the muskrat may help beavers keep an eye out for predators and provide additional body heat for the lodge in cold winter months. I have heard some accounts of other rodent species and even some mustelids like mink and, uh, and otters cohabiting with beavers, but these relationships seem less well-established in reputable literature. In any case, we can confidently add landlord to our list of beaver professions along with architecture and engineering. Mm. I also have a few anecdotes to contribute to the discussion of beaver intelligence. While I've never seen beavers use anything that looked like a constructed ladder to get higher up a trunk, I have observed our local beavers mounting boulders, stumps, and the snowpack to reach aspen trunks of their favored diameter, about four inches. I am quite skeptical that a beaver would use a log it, it fell to reach a higher point on another trunk, particularly because the beaver's webbed feet make it ungainly on land, let alone climbing a log so narrow as those they prefer to fell. But I can highlight another beaver behavior that borders on the nebulous realm of tool use. In addition to the trees they fell themselves, beavers opportunistically feed from and build with trunks and branches felled by windstorms. I and many rangers I have worked with have observed that beavers often abandon trees they have been gnawing when the trees uh, are nearly felled, only to return later after a storm has knocked them down. 
Of course, it is impossible to ascribe real intention to the beavers, but it is possible the beavers have developed the behavior of letting the wind finish the last dangerous step of felling the trees to save some effort and avoid being crushed. I've had difficulty finding any writing about this, and if it is the case that beavers sometimes outsource their work to storms, it would be difficult to distinguish from their usual nocturnal labors. Nevertheless, the more time one spends around these weird and noble rodents, the easier it is to imagine a thoughtful intellect behind those big orange incisors. All the best, Taylor. Oh, wow. Great email. Uh, Thank you for sending, Taylor. That is an interesting observation. And, you know, multiple things we were reading really highlighted how much beavers seem to want to get off of land when they're on it. Like they don't Mm -hmm. want to spend any more time out of water than they have to. Uh, So I don't know. I could imagine, yeah, maybe an adaptation where if they think they can save some time and energy by, by not finishing off the tree themselves and coming back to it later, I, I could see that being possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely agree. Wonderful insight uh, and observation added. Thanks Taylor. All right. Now, we also got a bunch of messages in response to Weird House Cinema. Uh, Several answers came in after a listener named Michelle uh, gave us a query last week. Michelle was trying to find the name of a movie she remembered about a woman who breaks up with her human boyfriend in favor of a robot suitor who was more sensitive and caring. Uh, We got several different answers to this. One came from Sheldeen. Sheldine says, hi, guys, might the movie that Michelle is recalling be Making Mr. Right? I vaguely remember watching it in the 80s, and I thought it starred Ali Sheedy, but I am wrong. It stars John Malkovich as a scientist who makes a robot version of himself, and the female lead is played by Anne Magnuson, who falls in love with the robot. Thanks, Sheldine. Uh, And also wanted to note there was another listener named David who suggested uh, the same movie, that this is the movie Michelle might be thinking of. Hmm, I've never seen it, but uh, it looks looks interesting. Robot, John Malkovich uh, as a lover, okay. One thing I recall Michelle saying, well, I recall her saying that the movie was in black and white and was probably from the 50s. That would not match here. And also saying that the human boyfriend was uh was too macho which is not how i would usually imagine john malkovich true true you know unless this is a you know an altered memory um this would seem to be going against type for john malkovich though i have to say looking at the the images from this movie i mean it it is a different john malkovich than i'm used to seeing anyway Uh, he has Mm -hmm. like a full head of like blonde hair in it and is clearly uh playing some sort of a an altered um unnatural human um so i don't know i'm intrigued who would leave john malkovich's character from burn after reading for a robot how how could you imagine that (laughs) yeah i don't know 1987's john malkovich is is a slightly different flavor okay but we also got a different suggestion of a movie from chris chris says joe and robert listener michelle wrote to you about a science fiction film from the 1950s in which a woman rejected her human boyfriend in favor of a robot. Although she said it was in black and white, that plot element struck a chord in my aged brain about a film that I recollected as being in color. A bit of appropriate internet searching resulted in Creation of the Humanoids from 1962, which I have not seen in more decades than I care to think about. 
Let's just say that I paid the huge sum of 50 cents from my mowing earnings to watch it at a local theater. This might be the film she's remembering. Even if not, it might be worth an investigation for Weird House Cinema. Chris. Yeah, 1962's The Creation of the Humanoids. I haven't seen it, but I knew I had seen the title somewhere, and I quickly realized this is because uh, this um, features a cast that includes Dudley Manlove of Plan 9 from Outer Space fame. Wait, is Dudley Manlove uh, Eros, the the alien bad guy? Uh, I think he's the one, your stupid minds, stupid, stupid, that one. That's enough out of you. (laughs) The creation of the humanoids looks interesting, though it is apparently in color and not black and white. Um, So I don't know. Perhaps the mystery remains, but um, I, I looked into this one a little bit. I think a lot of people did not like it. I think Michael Weldon said that it was fun. Sounds perfect. (laughs) Okay. All right. We also heard from someone sort of giving my own take on this whole idea about how sometimes we have partial bits of movies stuck in our head from when we caught part of them on television. Lawrence writes in and says, hi, Rob, Joe and JJ. Happy Monday. During your last listener mail, Rob mentioned a movie about two kids looking for their parents. If it was animated, I'm pretty sure he's thinking of Grave of the Fireflies. It won't be a letdown in terms of quality, but it is an incredibly sad and harrowing film. Um, Yeah, it's not uh, Grave of the Fireflies, uh, which I haven't seen, but the thing I'm half remembering is is not animated. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies is one that I've, it's been on my to-watch list for a long time, but I know, I know it's an important film, but I know it's, it is sad and and harrowing, so I keep putting it off. Mm. This is, of course, a 1988 Japanese uh, film uh, that... uh, uh, came out from uh, Studio Ghibli, if memory uh, serves. And it, uh, yeah, it deals with um, uh, like the tragedies of, of war. Anyway, Lawrence continues. I watched seconds based on your spoiler warnings for the, for the movie, and I'm glad I did. I liked your conversation about Eastern religious interpretations of the film. If I can suggest a good double feature, 1974's The Parallax View with Warren Beatty seems fitting. It has a similarly distinct visual style, also gained a mixed reception upon release due to its ending, and has aged into a better reception. I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks for all you do, Lawrence. Haven't seen it. It is on my radar. Same. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. But, uh, you know, it looked quick glance. You got Stacy Keach Sr. and Anthony Zerba in it. So, I mean, I'm already a little interested as well. Did I ever tell you I've met Anthony Zerba? <laughs> really? Yeah? Yeah. How did this come out, come around? I truly have no idea. What, he was doing some kind of event or something uh, in the town where I went to college when I was in college. And uh, he, he so he gave some kind of talk and I went to it. And I don't know, there was just a general chatting around afterwards. So I, I don't know. I met him in some capacity. I don't really remember anything about it. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know that we've actually watched a film on Weird House with him in it. But he's such um, an interesting and commanding presence when he does show up. What are his mystery science theater movies? I know there was uh, there was sometimes kind of a, an Anthony Zerbe watch on the show. Oh, man, you know, I'm not not sure offhand. They would often make references to him. Um, uh, maybe, maybe he wasn't actually in a movie they did. They would just say, like, you know, if it's a 70s movie, they're like, OK, where's Anthony Zerbe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he was, of course, when I think of him, of course, I think of the Omega Man. 
and mm. the, um, the 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 vampire character he plays in that. Where he's talking about you know creature of the wheel and so forth. Or I think about him exploding in that one James Bond film. Um, but uh, yeah, he had, had a, a, a number of interesting credits. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, this next message is from Shayna, who has uh, gotten in touch many times before. Shayna says, howdy, howdy, and kicks things off by sharing some info about movie theaters uh, that I think this year are going to be running classic Studio Ghibli films. I don't know if that's just local or in locations all over, but uh, thanks for sharing that. But anyway, Shayna goes on to say, after catching one of my absolute favorite films of all time, Conan the Barbarian, in theaters last fall, the 40th anniversary screening, I am convinced that if one loves a film but has never seen it on the big screen, it is worth the money and time to try to do so. I had watched Conan dozens of times in my life, but saw details I'd never noticed on the small screen. And yes, please do Nausicaa as a Weird House movie. It is so beautiful, moving, and relevant. Thanks, as always, for the podcasts, Shayna. Uh, Shayna, thank you. And I will say I can second the idea of seeing a film you already love uh, from home video in a theater. It's a completely different experience. I guess that's probably a cliche. I've heard people say that before, but it is true. Uh, the main examples I can think of are mostly horror movies, but... I'm uh, real standout experiences are seeing uh, The Exorcist in theaters, seeing Alien and The Shining in theaters. All three were like seeing a whole different movie. And uh, I don't know, in a way, I feel kind of uh, kind of guilty about this because I don't go out and see movies in theaters as often as I would like to. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it's just same problems most people have. It's difficult to find time to plan ahead, leave the house, etc. Mm -hmm. Lives are busy, and it is easier to make room for streaming half of a movie on your TV before you go to bed than it is to go out to a scheduled theater showing. But it's especially when I see a movie on the big screen that I have already seen before on the small screen that that I really understand like the difference. I realize how different the experience is, and that for the most part, this is how movies are made to be seen. The home viewing experience is kind of a facsimile. But then again, I mean, I understand why people are often not going out to theaters. I, I live it too. Life is busy. You just, it's it's tough to make time to, to go out and see a scheduled showing. I think when it's, when I go to an AMC theater showing these days, there's, an, there's a long intro in which I think Nicole Kidman is um, giving a, like a long, um, a pitch for why the theater experience is the best and how it's like it basically completes us as as human beings it's just the other <laughs> half of our soul and um and i'm always like okay i'm already here uh nicole kidman i, I don't need the whole pitch um, so i don't want to sound too much like like that but but it is true like you know there, there's something about seeing it on the big screen i think it's a um <clears throat> there's something about the way hopefully it's captivating our attention in different ways, in ways mm -hmm. that being on our couch wouldn't. Maybe we're a little more inclined to put our phone away. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're a little more inclined to just uh, absorb it uh, as a spectacle uh, on on the screen. There, uh, I had a, a, an experience with this actually very recently. It was a it was a big screen, but it was like a it wasn't one of the the Studio Ghibli showings that were alluded to earlier. This was like a kid's birthday party, but still, they played Totoro on the big screen, mm. and uh, and it was it was magical. It was it's a movie I've seen a million times, and I really was expecting to be kind of checked out on it, but I really got to appreciate a lot of the details, um, you know, as if for the first time. You know, the 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 ways that uh, the, the children move in that movie, and just the, the the raw and beautiful imagination of the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And it, I want to say one more thing about the difference with the theater experience, which is we often refer to the difference uh, by metonymy, I guess, as saying like the big screen as if it's like the size of the screen that is the major difference. That's one mm -hmm. difference. 
but I think it's really the whole environment. It's like the big darkened room and especially the sound. The sound experience is totally different in the theater for multiple reasons. I mean, they have good, you know, a good theater has good sound system where it sounds good, but also you can listen to the movie at a volume that I at least uh, am not comfortable watching a movie at at home because it just feels too loud for my house. Yeah. And another issue is this is something that I often forget about because when I go to a theater, I, my sort of selfish uh, experience is that I, I just don't, don't want to hear other people. I, I want to have, have it both ways. I want to have the big theater, big screen uh, experience, but I don't want to feel like I'm actually in there with any other human beings. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but uh, I, was, I was recently reading about some Bollywood films because I'm hoping that we can cover a Bollywood film in the, the near future on Weird House Cinema. And um, I, I, one of the commentators was saying, like, look, if you're trying to watch this film on your own, on like your TV, you're going to have a different experience than what was intended. Like this is a movie that was supposed to be consumed in a theater packed with other people and like you're missing out on that whole communal aspect of the viewing uh so you know to whatever extent each of us individually agrees with that for our own viewing preferences it's something to keep in mind when consuming various pictures Oh, yeah. I mean, for some types of entertainment, the rest of the crowd is part of the experience. Like, you know, seeing a concert, it's having the crowd with you there and the audience is is part of what makes it fun. Uh, I would say for movies, it depends on the kind of movie. I mean, uh, you know, more serious, quieter, more thoughtful movies. Yeah, I don't want to be hearing people's popcorn and stuff. Uh, But for like, say, a lowbrow, like a slasher movie or something like that, I would Mm -hmm. like a packed theater and people making noise. Yeah, yeah. Or if, you know, you, you catch an opening night viewing of something and everyone who's there is really enthusiastic for it. You know, they came out for this picture. And so there's kind of like a, a built-in, um, I would say, good faith viewing mm-hmm. uh, going on there. You know, that, that can be a lot of fun. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and seal up the uh, horseshoe-shaped uh, tube in Carney the Mailbot's torso. And we're going to close this episode out. But we'd love to hear from everyone out there if you have thoughts on any of the topics we discussed in this listener mail episode or you know feedback uh, ideas experiences etc concerning any past episodes of stuff to blow your mind the artifact monster fact weird house cinema it's all fair game just a reminder that those episodes of listener mail they air on mondays core episodes on tuesdays and thursdays artifact or monster fact on wednesday and on fridays we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film on weird house cinema Huge thanks to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. 
I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 